You know, we've, we've been looking and spending the last several weeks learning from Jesus how, how we are to pray, how we're to, to speak to God, how we're to communicate with God. And, and Jesus taught us this through something we call the Lord's Prayer. So we first learned in the Lord's Prayer that prayer doesn't start by asking for things for ourselves, which is usually how we think of prayer. Um, that prayer isn't something that begins in a place that centers on us, but Jesus is teaching us to pray that, that begins with, starts with a place of being centered on God. So prayer doesn't begin with our name, our glory, our kingdom, our will, but Jesus has said prayer begins coming to God, begins with his name, his glory, his kingdom, his will. He's our heavenly father. He is glorious. His name is holy. He is God alone. He's the sovereign king of all the universe. And we pray for his kingdom to come, for all people and for all of creation to recognize and to come into alignment with that reality. And we pray for his will to be done, that that what God desires to be done, we pray for that to, to come to pass in our lives and in all of the world, that, and that we would be formed to see what we want, right? Our desires, the things that we want, that they would be shaped and formed into the same things that God wants. And I just took some time this week, all of a sudden realizing we're halfway through this pattern of prayer that Jesus has given to us, and, and we haven't asked a single thing for ourselves. It's all, it's all been about God. And, and this is the way Jesus is teaching us to pray. We begin with God. Eugene Peterson says, God is in heaven. Heaven is where everything gets started. Jesus starts there. And in company with Jesus, we start there. If we stick to this long enough, if we make a habit of it, slowly but surely, our congenital self-centeredness is radically reformed into God-centeredness. All right, so, so we begin in our prayers with, with God, right? And, and as we do that, that's the pattern of the ways that we pray, the way that we relate to God, we are shaped and we are reformed into having him at the center of our lives. So if we want to become disciples of Jesus, we want to be people who follow him and our lives line up with what he has taught us, then then it's this God-centeredness that that's the, it's at the beginning. It's at the starting point for us as we learn to pray. So that's, that's all true, and we've seen that. Jesus has shown that to us. But then we have to ask, what, what then do we do with the things that we wanted to start out by asking God about, right? We, we, we wanted to pray, and we wanted to talk about this need that we have and this thing going on in our life. What do we do with those things? Like, are we allowed to talk about them with God? Are they just out of the picture now because we need to be God-centered uh, are, are our needs too small? Are they too petty? Are they too insignificant to bring before this marvelous 
mighty God? And I think sometimes we feel that way. Okay, I want to focus on him, and then just this stuff in my life, it doesn't seem that big of a deal. Why am I worried about it, or what am I complaining about? I'll just kind of shove that to the side and pretend it doesn't bother me. I don't want to bother God. I don't want to just, you know, he's got a lot going on probably. I don't want to bother him with these things. And, and, and it's kind of at that point. This is where we need to continue to look to the way Jesus is teaching us. Because he's not done teaching us how to pray yet. The second half of what we call the Lord's Prayer is, is all about learning how to talk to God about our needs, our personal needs. And, and what we see in the way that Jesus is teaching us to pray is that there is nothing that is too small too insignificant, too ordinary for us to talk to God about, to ask God about our physical needs, our spiritual needs, our fears, our concerns. Jesus invites us to pray about those things, and he shows us how to do that by teaching us to pray about our need for food. What could be more ordinary than than our need for physical sustenance? But he also talks to us about our need for forgiveness, our need for pardon, and our need for protection and deliverance from evil. So today we're going to look at how Jesus taught us to pray. Give us today, this day, our daily bread, and we'll see here our daily need, our daily fear, and our daily provider. So let's read this passage, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9 through 13. It's on page 811 if you're using one of the Bibles from the back. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Pray then like this, Jesus tells us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word. Let's pray once more. Father, We, we want to come to you in, in need today. And maybe we don't actually want to, uh, but that's, that's how we are coming, whether we recognize it or acknowledge it or not. We come to you in need. I come to you in need. Each person who's here listening to your word, your good news, Jesus, we all come in need. And we thank you, Jesus, that you've promised to meet all of our needs And I pray that you would train our hearts, that you would form the ways that we think and believe, and we'd receive this invitation that you've given us, that we would stop trying to fix ourselves, that we would stop trying to provide for ourselves what we could not give, what we could not earn, what we could not uh, come up with on our own. We need you today, Jesus. And thank you that we, we get to be in a place like this where where the questions that we have, the desires, the longings that we have, they're all met in you, Jesus. And so show us yourself today. Reveal yourself to us, Jesus, we pray in your beautiful name. Amen. Uh, there was a, a man named Martin Luther. Some of you are familiar with him. He was really influential in the history of the church, especially in what we call Western civilization uh, and, and he was kind of known as the father or the, 
the primary actor in what we call the, the Protestant Reformation. And so after he died in the year 1546, his, his friends uh, were just cleaning up his room and taking his body out and things like that. Um, they found a note that he had written sometime during his last, the last few days of his life. And it said on that scrap of paper, we are beggars, that is true. We are beggars, that is true. And it, it's very simply put, not a whole lot to it, but I think it sums up what it means to be a human being. We are beggars, that is true. We are needy, we are reliant, we are dependent. And I think the first thing that we need to see as we learn how to pray for the things that we need the ways that Jesus taught us to pray, is that this need, this dependence, is, is part of God's design for us. It's the way that he created us in the beginning. Before sin enters the world, the relationship of humanity to God was one of dependence. One of dependence. We have been designed, created to need things that we cannot provide for ourselves. This is not a flaw in us. This is not a bug. This is not a a negative. It's God's good intention for us to need things, to need him. The declaration of God that everything he made was very good includes our need. It includes our Dependence, And so when Jesus is teaching us to pray for our daily bread, he's reminding us of our original design. He's calling us back to a place where we understand our dependence, our daily need. This isn't just a physical need. We need more than food and shelter and other basic needs. Ultimately, what Jesus is doing is teaching us that we have a daily need for God himself. Uh, St. Augustine, as a quote that I often come to myself, and and I've used it several times here, he says, uh, you have made us for yourself. He's speaking to God. You have made us. You've created us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. We have been made by God to need him to find our peace and our joy and our satisfaction and our comfort and our hope in him alone. But we also recognize, right, we're not just spiritual beings. We're not just floating around learning things about the divine essence or something. Like, we have physical needs. We need to eat food. Uh, it's, it's just a, a fact of life that we can't pray We can't worship God if we're dead from starving to death, right? So like it just doesn't work. Um, And and so Jesus invites us, bring bring to your Father in heaven your concern about these physical needs that we have. And, And Jesus does this again and again and again. Recognize the dependence that you have on God and then to live in freedom out of that dependence. Here's an example that that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. Truly, I say to you, unless you turn 
and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, we know just by the evacuation of children that just left, uh, we, have, <laughs> we have been blessed with many kids in our church family. And one thing that those of us who have children have learned is their dependence on us. Uh, sometimes we don't like it that much. Uh, they need us for everything, especially when they're younger, which is where a lot of our kids are. And, and I'll say this with no judgment, a healthy parent, uh, when you're parenting at your best, um, you, you don't look at one of your babies and, and just go, oh, why do you need me for everything? Like, can't you just feed yourself one time? Why do you need me for everything? Uh, and if your baby had the ability to speak, uh, it would probably say, well, no, I, I can't not physically able to do that. Uh, and also, just while we're chatting here, I, I did something in my diaper, and I also need you to take care of that as well. So I'm just, the, our babies, our kids are dependent on us. Uh, and, and even in our worst moments, we recognize, okay, they need me, right? They need me to take care of them. So when it comes to our own kids, Uh, We understand that, but when it comes to ourselves, we're much less likely to understand and live out of a place of daily need and dependence. We've got jobs, we've got retirement plans, we've got savings accounts, we have mortgages, we have investments, and if we don't have that, uh, maybe we're not in a place where those are luxuries that we have Uh, We have a governmental structure that in some place will give us assistance if we need it. But we are not self-sufficient. We are not self-sufficient. We are children. And so Jesus teaches us, here's what you do with your dependence, with your need. You pray. You ask Your father, you go to your father, you bring your need before him, and you do this daily. This is not just just like a checkup every now and then when you're you're running low. We, We come to the father daily because we need him every moment, every day. And so we come to him with our need every moment, every day. Now, here's kind of a diagnostic we can use. You can take a moment and and examine yourself. When do you pray most regularly, most passionately? When when are the times that you're most likely to pray? If you're like me, it's probably when you most clearly recognize your need. Something has happened in your life. Your car broke down. You had an unexpected expense come up. You have a need, uh, something is wrong with your body or or there's someone you love is in trouble, right? You recognize your need and your own inability to fix that, to provide for yourself. And it's these moments that you realize, I cannot fix this. I cannot solve this. I have no idea what to do. And so you pray. You go to the one that Hebrews 1.3 says upholds the universe by the word of his power because you've clearly recognized your need. But, but the truth is, 
we are always as needy as we are in our most desperate moments. You are, you are as needy right now, whether you're in prosperity, whether you've had the best year financially that you've ever had, whether everything is going well, as you are when it's the worst, leanest, hardest year. You are just as desperate, just as needy in both of those places. You need God. You need his provision. There's never been a moment that you have not been absolutely dependent on God for everything that you need. Because this is the way God made us. This is the way he designed us. And because that's how he made us, we don't have to be embarrassed. We don't have to be ashamed of our need before God and before others because this is our design. We have this constant daily need. But in recognizing this daily need, we are confronted with something else. And, and I've called it our, our daily fear. Uh, and so in, in the past few weeks, we experienced something that made us all pretty uncomfortable in one way or another. We, we called them the PSPS, the public safety power shutoffs. Um, the possibility of having our electricity shut off for, you know, there was a range of time, right? Is it one day? Is it, how many days is it going to be? We're not really sure. It was not a welcome thing, right, for any of us. We were not excited about this. And I think that's because it's a reminder of just how dependent we are on electricity for our daily lives. So, so when this came onto our radar, the power's going to be shut off, the first thing you start thinking about is basic needs that you've probably taken for granted. The machines that keep our food cold so it doesn't spoil, and the other machines that heat up our food and then heat up our houses so that they're not cold. We don't think about them very often, most likely, because we just take them for granted. So what was your impulse when you first heard about the shutoffs? Uh, I mean, besides the, the anger, uh, the rage that was boiling. <laughs> uh, I'm not picking on you, Stephen. I hope you don't take this personal here. Um, if, if you're like me, your impulse, my impulse was to buy things, just to buy things. Uh, we, I, we went to Costco, Dallas and I went to Costco with every other person in Humboldt County, uh, and, and I just wanted to buy everything. So I just wanted to buy everything. Uh, I'm like, we'll probably need this, what, we should have just some of this on hand, just in case, what about this, we might run out of this, uh, we don't know for how long, and just in case, let's get some of these things too, and, and if Dallas wasn't with me, I'm pretty sure I would have spent so much money, and we would have had food and things forever. Um, and, and I think based on the amount of people who were in there and the mounds of things that were being bought, uh, you know, and the, the people that lined up to buy a generator, did you guys see pictures of videos of people who were lined up in the morning to buy the, the 40 generators or whatever? It was like, it was worse than Black Friday. There's just people lined up around the store to buy a generator. So, so I know that I'm not the only person who felt this way. 
What was going on in me? What was going on in us as we're in that moment? I felt a need. I felt a need. That, that life without electricity made me ask questions that I don't usually have to worry about. Questions about ultimately where I put my, my trust. And what I found there was a lot of fear. A lot of, of questions and, and fear about how are my basic needs going to be met? How, how am I going to take care of my family? And, and the, the funny thing is, the, the reality is the power was really only out for a, a couple of times for a relatively short amount of time. And, and life is now back to normal. It's going to start raining and we don't have to worry about these uh, ever again, hopefully. <laughs> But I, but I want us to just think about that. Take that fear that I experienced and that I'm guessing some of you experienced as well. And, and that's an opportunity for us to examine our hearts. What's going on in my heart? What's going on in your heart when you want to stockpile food and, and supplies? There's a fear that my daily needs are not going to be met. That if, I, that if I didn't get it for myself, if I didn't seize that moment, that, that there would be a lack in my life and that I wouldn't have what I needed. And isn't that exactly what Jesus is talking about here? Isn't it exactly what he's saying? You have a need. You were created to be needy, to be dependent on the Father. And so ask him for your need. Ask him for what... You need, this is so humbling. I'm preaching through the Lord's Prayer and in the middle of this, these power shutoffs happen. I, can, I couldn't think of any point during the power shutoff that I remembered intentionally praying for God to meet the daily needs that I was so worried about. I mean, what is that? It's terrible. What I do remember is a lot of complaining in my mind and to others, a lot of talking about it. Everybody was talking about it. How inconvenient this is. And I think all of that is ultimately driven by this, this fear that my needs were not going to be met. And it just shows me, it shows us that we need to learn how to pray. We need Jesus to teach us how to pray. So when we hear Jesus talk about our daily needs, our daily bread. I don't think you can help but connect it to another story in the scriptures in the book of Exodus. Long story short, the nation of Israel has been in captivity and slavery uh, to, the, to the nation of Egypt for over 400 years. Through, through Moses' leadership, God miraculously frees Israel uh, from bondage. He leads them out He's taking them uh, through the midst of the Red Sea. He demolishes their enemies. He leads them. He's leading to this place of promise, this place of provision, right? Abundance. You're going to have everything you need. You're going to have a place. And it's really an incredible story of God's faithfulness, his fulfillment of all of his promises. But what happens? I mean, this is just a couple chapters after the Red Sea, In Exodus 16, the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. 
And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. They have been delivered from hundreds of years of slavery. And what happens the moment that they feel their need? What happens in that moment when they feel their stomachs begin to grumble? They're drawn back to what they had before. At least we had enough to eat there in Egypt. We'll take slavery as long as we don't have to be afraid of where our next meal is coming from. And I think it just shows us dependence is a scary thing, right? We, we run to things that are unhealthy when we feel our need. So what does God do with these people? He has, he has undoubtedly shown them his miraculous power. He's done everything that they needed up to this point. Even in the chapter before this, in Exodus 15, he's provided water for them from a rock, right? They've they've had everything that they've needed. And my impulse would be, you know what? Fine. Go, Go ahead and go back. Try to get back across the ocean that I opened up for you. Go for it. Maybe you'll run into all the dead bodies of the guys I killed so that they wouldn't take you back into slavery, but apparently you just want to go there yourselves. Thankfully, I'm not God. Exodus 16, verse 4 says, The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. He gives them daily bread. He provides for them daily Bread. He doesn't take away their dependence. This is key for us. He doesn't take away their dependence, but he reorients their dependence. For hundreds of years, they looked at their slave masters as their providers, and that was the only way that they knew their meals would come, their food would come, everything they needed came from those who enslaved them, that God is graciously showing them that he would meet their every need, that they could trust him and be free and be his to belong to him. And he teaches them that through this daily rhythm of dependence. Every day, they would gather up what they needed for that day. It wasn't week to week. They didn't go pick up their monthly shipment of bread It was day by day. God was teaching them, you can trust me every moment. I will not fail you. I will not let you down at any moment. And if they tried to gather enough for the next day, anything that was left over in the morning, it would be rotten and full of worms. But there would be fresh bread for them to eat each morning. The only exception was on the Sabbath, the day that God set aside each week for rest. They were allowed the day before to gather up enough for two days, and on that day, the bread would not be rotten, that it would be enough for them each day and again, day by day, day by day. 
I think a lot of us have been taking what God has provided for us and, and we're forgetting where it's come from. We've found our comfort. I find my comfort often in the things that I have saved up, the things that I have set aside and accumulated. And when we do that, our security is not in the one who owns everything and who provides, but our security is in our bank account, our 401k, our, our wisdom in investing. And so we're afraid of need. This is something, it's just brutal to, to look at this. We are afraid of need to the point that we shield ourselves from it as much as possible. It's like the, what I was doing in Costco, we're just doing that all the time constantly trying to shield ourselves from even feeling any sense of need or dependence on anyone. If we feel, if we feel need, if we feel some lack in us, we just buy something. We just, we just try to fix it ourselves. If we can't afford it, We put it on our credit card because that's how important it is that even if we don't have money for it, we'll still acquire it at greater expense. And and I don't want I don't want to be misunderstood here because we do need to be wise. There's nothing wrong with with saving money. There's nothing wrong with having a a retirement plan or uh, or having a home or nice things or anything like that. The the problem is when we put our security in those things, when we put our security, our hope in the things that we have stored up for ourselves, that's when we're in a bad place. Because once we depend on anything other than God for our security, we are on dangerous ground. We're on the, 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 the sand. Our house is built on nothing solid or firm. So, so here's a real basic question for you, for us. What if you prayed about what you need? (laughs) What a revolutionary concept. What if you prayed about what you need? What if instead of worrying and stressing and killing yourself and making foolish financial decisions, that you just brought your need to the Father? What if you placed your needs before the Father in submission and surrender and trust? James chapter 4, he tells us, you covet, you desire something, you cannot obtain it. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Jesus is teaching us to ask. Ask. Come to the Father. He's not telling us to stop being needy. He's telling us to ask. Here's where you go with your need. Here's where you go with your lack, and it's not Amazon, and it's not Tinder, and it's not Netflix, and it's not Facebook. Bring your needs to the Father. This happened this week. Uh, as, as you guys know, a lot of, um, we've been trying to do some improvements in our building and try to make our space a little bit nicer and upgrade the donated, borrowed salvaged equipment that we've been using for many years. That's what you do when you're a church plant. You're just the equivalent of like a college dorm kid. And you're like, there's a free couch on the sidewalk. 
I need that because I don't have any furniture. Like, that's what we've been doing uh, for the life of our church, basically. Like, everything we have has been given to us or donated or uh, thrown out, and we were just like, we'll take that. That sounds good. So this week, we discovered that our speakers that we have that were donated to us, uh, they're blown and they just sound terrible. And, I, and you know, we've, we've made do with it, but... Um, we had a friend who's in engineering and sound, and he said, you guys are, it's, it's really bad. <laughs> you need to do something. So he's like, it's, you know, I can help you out. We'll figure it out. It's like $1,500. I'm like, man, we've been spending money that we don't have almost uh, as a church. And so it's just like, I didn't know what to do. And so... I don't even know why I'm telling this story, just that God is gracious. I didn't pray. <laughs> I'm preaching this week on what do you do when you have a need, but I did ask. I asked some other churches. <laughs> I said, I put up a message. I said, can you guys help us out? This is the need that we have. And within 24 hours, uh, several churches within our Acts 29 family uh, met that, that amount that we needed. Uh, which is awesome, and I celebrate that. I'm grateful for that. Uh, but I thought, man, why didn't, why didn't I pray about that first? Before I wrote the little post and before I sent the emails out, I could have prayed and I missed that opportunity to ask the Father. And he graciously provided for us. But it's an opportunity um, to just recognize our tendency to go straight to another solution. Straight to trying to figure it out ourselves. We have been created to be dependent on God for everything that we need. And that's us individually, that's us as a church. And whenever we try to place that dependence on anyone or anything but God, our lives are going to be disordered. They're going to be dysfunctional. So, so what do we do with this fear, this tendency to look for our security in other things, Jesus says we go to our provider, our daily provider. And I think this is why Jesus begins this prayer by teaching us about God. Who is God? He's our Father. He's holy. He's sovereign. He's our King. And it's so that we know who we're talking to. So that we know who we're talking to when we pray. We're not just filling out a form when we pray. We're not just like, here's my name, here's my address, here's the need I have, and I just mail it off to some un- unknown distribution center. Right? We, we know who we're talking to. And Jesus says, you're talking to your Father, who's also the sovereign king of the universe. And we're doing so at his invitation. We didn't initiate this. We didn't, you know, we didn't have to go through a process of coming before the king. This is his invitation, his urging. God wants to relate to us in this way. He wants us to relate to him in this way. God has never turned away anyone who has come to him in need. Never. And this is what Jesus is inviting us into. This is why Jesus came into the world. He came to provide for us. He came to meet our needs. He came to show us you are more dependent than you knew. 
You are needier than you ever imagined. And then he came to demonstrate, to show God's provision and care by giving his own life for us. Romans 5.8 says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were, up, we were not children, we were enemies of God, and yet Christ died for us. He showed his love for us. If God would do this for us when we were his enemies, won't he always provide for you? This is what we see just a couple pages over in Romans 8. He who did not spare his own son, (coughs) excuse me, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously, graciously, not begrudgingly, give us all things? And this is what Jesus has been doing this whole time. He's not just teaching us to pray the words. He's putting himself forward to answer all of our questions. Here's the answer. It's me, all your fears, all your worries. He doesn't say, here's how to fix yourself. Here's how to, here's how to better your life. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that we cannot fix ourselves. But Jesus has come to fix us, to meet the needs that we can't meet ourselves. Jesus came to be what we could not be, to do what we could not do. He came to give us himself and he provides us with himself. This is the heart of what Jesus teaches in John's Gospel, chapter 6. He's speaking to this group of religious leaders. There's this argument about Jesus' identity, the questions. How can you make these claims? So they said to him, what sign do you do? What evidence do you give that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. That's what we saw in Exodus 16. And Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Even after Jesus answers their question and gives them a better answer than they were looking for, they still go back to the physical need, right? Okay, we want this. We want this bread. Give it to us. (laughs) The problem here is Jesus just did this. The day before, at the beginning of John 6, Jesus fed over 5,000 people miraculously from the lunch of one Boy, but the next day, all of those people, including these religious leaders, woke up again and they were hungry, right? Do it again, Jesus. Prove it. Yesterday was not enough. Prove it for us again. And Jesus is saying, He's showing us the greatest need that we have is not for food. 
Our greatest need is life with God, life with him. And this is not too much for Jesus. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus meets our every need. He held nothing back from us. He's given us himself, and so that means that we can trust him. It means that we can come to him with every and any need that we have. There's nothing too big or small that we cannot bring before the Father. This is Jesus' invitation. Let's pray. Father, I know that you've revealed in me, and I pray that, that in all of us, you revealed in us, you revealed to us our great need for Jesus. I am so prone to run, to look for other things, to try to find my own solutions. But Jesus, you are the bread of life. You satisfy, you provide, you care. And I pray for each one of us that we would be shaped and learn how to look to you, Jesus. How to ask. How to come to you with with the, the first impulse that we have is to come to you. Would you shape us like that? Would you teach us, Jesus, how to pray, how to believe, how to trust? And I pray for us as a church, Father, that we, we would be okay with being a needy church and we would be delighted to see you provide for us in every way. And not just for money and material needs, but for the life of our church and for the life of our city, the place that you have us. Would we be bold in our asking, bold in coming before you for the needs that we cannot fix, for the things we cannot do ourselves. Thank you, Jesus, for inviting us into this. We love you and we pray in your beautiful name. Amen.